Hi everyone. So I'm going to be speaking to Ullas Samrat, co-founder of Triton Foodworks today. So Triton Foodworks is a um, hydroponic farming venture, and uh, I got to know about hydroponic farming very recently, and. Uh, I'm just really like fascinated and intrigued by how innovative and disruptive it is. So it's essentially soilless farming. So there's no soil involved, and it uses up to 60 to 70 percent less water as compared to traditional farming. It uh, does not involve any pesticides, so it's organic, and it's probably the next big thing in sustainable farming. And uh, while it's really popular now, Ullas dived into this back in 2014, and uh, I'm so excited to speak to him about his entrepreneurial journey and, of course, about hydroponic farming. So, I'm just gonna add him here. To begin with, uh, you, I'm gonna go back like to college. So, you know, you right. did your bachelor's in economics, and then you went on to do mass media. जर्नलिज्म said that this is something that needs to be done because like dad being dad uh, yeah. <clears throat> english doesn't have that kya banna hai professor banna english ka i was that like the typical yeah. Yeah. so because he there i said okay so i have to study this and that doesn't really matter so i took up economics but once that got finished then i was like now i've done whatever you wanted me to do now i want to pursue some things that i want to do so i took up uh, mascom so essentially that was always the plan economics was like the detour that i had to take so that my dad was happy okay so it was basically yeah. something coming from your parents it wasn't like much of your choice at least for the economics no well, i was i was honestly very indifferent if it was not english it would have been anything else so i was very indifferent to what subject i was choosing in college so i said might as well go ahead and do economics Actually, I enrolled in stats honors, statistics honors, uh, as the first subject in Delhi University. But that was too hard, so well, I need to get out of this. I need to get into something else, and then ended up in economics. It was fun, yeah. nice. Yeah. Okay, and then so then you did mass media, and then through mass media, yes. you kind of started hydroponic farming. So how did that happen? Like, how did you like? Did you were you thinking of pursuing something in mass media or like? why how did that shift happen right so when i was doing mass media i had a content management startup that i had launched with my cousin and the big so we were handling coca cola we were handling hero motocops we were handling mudra communications so all of the, and all of their clients flipkart was one of the earlier clients that we were working for and we were managing their content both offline and online and uh, <clears throat> and an opportunity presented itself that we could offload this venture and take an exit successfully we did that once that happened uh, at that age i had like i was 23 at a half and i had a significant amount of money wow. lying around with me so i had options i could just go party and chill in life and uh with that money but at that same time my mom was diagnosed with ild which is uh, a disorder of the lungs that slowly and progressively calcifies the lungs so that started happening on the personal front and that was like a real big shocker for me right and i was after meeting n number of doctors we figured out that this is something like they don't know what the cause is but it probably has something to do with the lifestyle with the increased pollution levels with the kind of food that we are eating and that was like that wake up moment for me that i was like yeah, we are in 2014 and we still haven't figured out how to grow food that doesn't kill you that does 
more good than it does harm right well, it's doing more harm than it is doing good right now the food that we're eating and and that was like the starting point for when i started researching about how to grow food cleanly what are the things that can be done to make sure that the food production and the food that we consume actually does what it is supposed to do so that was kind of the pivot okay and then how did you like so like just like so that everyone knows and even i don't really know i mean i know the basics mm-hmm. but what exactly is hydroponic farming and how is it clean and how is it different from uh, your traditional farming right uh, so traditional farming uses soil as a media to grow mm-hmm. food in right uh, and uh, the sunlight that falls on plants and the plants then go ahead and do their internal chemistry so and to convert food sunlight into energy and then grow then this is the conventional wisdom that we have right? mm-hmm. and uh, but once you start really understanding what the mechanism behind everything is is so the soil is only solves two purposes there are only two pros to growing food in soil one is that it gives it enough uh, support to grow in terms of like the physical support it can hold on to the roots and it can hold on to the entire and it is, and it acts like a substrate through which uh, nutrients are delivered to the uh, to the plants there is no other use of soil but the cons of using soil is that it 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 is not it is an organic media so it has its own ecosystem sir there there are good there are like with every other living organism there are good parts of those and bad parts so pests and other diseases viruses and bacteria that can affect your plant so <clears throat> that's the balance and then to maintain that balance you have to bring in a lot of other chemicals you really have to go nuclear on the soil to make sure that there is nothing that uh, reduces the productivity of the soil and the plants so what we do in hydroponics is that we remove soil from the equation totally we don't need soil we uh, we grow plants directly either in water or in other uh, organic sub uh, inorganic substrate sorry that doesn't have the problem of say any other microbial infestation or pests in that media and uh, we send nutrients filled in like we dissolve our nutrients directly in water and then we send them out directly to the root zone the plants absorb the nutrients directly from those from the water and they end up growing to be the best versions of themselves like the tastiest most nutrition versions of themselves that's possible and we replace sunlight with the led lighting okay because and, and sunlight has seven spectrums sorry hmm. yeah go ahead no i yeah i yeah, got you go ahead right. Okay. right so sunlight has seven spectrums that falls onto the plants but research suggests that there are only four spectrums that the plants use so essentially and so what we do is we give only those four spectrums so essentially hydroponics is about removing all sort of inefficiencies from the entire plant growing cycle so you give plants only exactly what it is that they need so that they don't have to fight for anything else they don't have to work hard essentially it's a very sort of pampered yeah ecosystem for the plants to grow in yeah and these are all completely organic like there's no uh, pesticides involved in this so there are no pesticides involved but technically they're not organic because organic technically means that it needs to come from an organic sort of media yeah. or a organic yeah. starting point in hydroponics that doesn't happen they're all they are they are chemicals that we use but they're not harmful chemicals and organic doesn't necessarily mean that it's pesticide free there are organic pesticides that go into the organic produce plus because it's not controlled the environment that in which organic farming is done is not controlled so whenever it rains everything that is floating around in the atmosphere the pollution and other chemicals also seeps back into the water system and the water system itself is not clean enough there are multiple reasons why this is better so we call it post organic we we strongly believe that this is better this is much better than organic because it uses 95% less water up to 10 yeah. times less land gives out 
it's a faster yield and yeah. we use absolutely zero pesticides yeah so it's like a much much safer or better compared to what we are consuming right now yes definitely okay and uh, how do you also like what how do you market like is it first of all more expensive to grow and to sell like if i'm buying like a traditionally grown produce and i'm buying something that's coming from a hydroponic farm is there a significant difference in the price i have to pay it's not significant but it is slightly more expensive than traditional farming but that's also because it's honestly not a very apples to apples sort of comparison what we grow yeah. is something which is not available and that's not possible to grow conventionally we grow strawberries that are not for example the strawberries that we grow it is very very difficult to grow those strawberries in india unless you can control everything and then once you start doing that then <clears throat> so it becomes slightly more expensive than normal conventionally grown produce but once it comes to the consumer for example it it is not very expensive than your conventionally grown there are skus that are like skus there are items that we do like for example tomatoes is something that is sort of one produce that we are obsessed with we've been spending a lot of time making sure that that is that one produce that we can you know <clears throat> nail now so we are almost 70% there our cost of production is roughly 30 35% more than a conventionally grown tomato so another i think another 6 months or a year we should be able to match that prices as well but for other things like leafy greens strawberries we can do them honestly we do them at a strawberries we do at a cheaper price cherry tomatoes we okay. do at a cheaper price but uh, leafy greens we definitely do at a cheaper price so it depends on what items also that we are talking about but more or less it's not very plus for the benefits that it brings it's not Uh, very very expensive okay and uh, in terms of like i think the uh, like specifically the segment is slightly more uh, like price sensitive you know because when you're going to buy mm-hmm. vegetables people sort of right. like, tend to bargain and compare the price and then they right. pick up the produce from where it's the cheapest so how do you mm-hmm. like who are your customers who are your target customers and how do you convince them to buy something that might be slightly more expensive than what she might be offered which is obviously like i understand that it's right. better for them but how do you kind of spread that awareness that okay this is the process and this is healthy or how do you spread that awareness so what what uh, first part of the question is who's the target audience the target audience is people like us honestly people who like we how we define target audience is so these are double income homes young families people who know and use what uber is have a netflix account people who generally know what an instagram live is will use just not whatsapp but telegram and other other uh, messaging services so those are our target pe- the people that we target right and then how do we go about convincing them is first obviously the the literature that is available everywhere so it will so the posts and all of those things that we talk about then we are so confident about the quality that we produce and the pro- and generally the produce that we offer is that uh, so the best way that we go about it is that we give people free samples to try out and that is the first barrier right so the first barrier that you need to cross is that you need to taste it and you the minute you taste it there is a difference and we've ran multiple pilots across the country from hyderabad to all the way up to haryana everywhere we've done it across different different geographies different demographies and this is the same uh, result that we've gotten from everyone is that once you taste it you really understand what the difference is and then you come back for more like people have come back mothers have come back f- from mira road in bombay to dlf phase 5 in gurgaon we've sent out samples and mothers have come back and said my kids have never asked for palak like they're asking for now it is so nice please send it across or like the the cherry tomatoes that we the, the cherry tomatoes are so sweet or the tangy ones are so nice that honestly never had them so these are the things that 
this is the feedback that we get and earlier we were a little skeptical about the fact that because in the indian society right now also like the final authority about what will be bought from the vegetable vendor is still with our dadis or nanis like the like the elder most generation right yeah. so that was that we felt was the trickiest part to nail but the sampling permit helped there also honestly yeah. like we've got people who call us up and say yeah my dada ji has said this is he's never had these sort of cherry tomatoes before yeah ye to tomato hum pakistan mein khate the before the partition this is that good so once that happens then you there is nothing that you know then you say it's a 5% 7% premium on the normal produce and then added on to the fact that this is traceable we we always welcome people to our farm to come and see how things are growing and we're very open about how absolutely no pesticides and 100% traceability so you combine all of these things together you start seeing people building that uh, loyalty and trust towards the brand yeah so and so that's how we're is- going about okay and also like so this is versus i would say like traditionally grown produce but also how, is there a lot of competition from like the sim, from a similar space like if you go to like is it difficult to get your product in a nature's basket or a reliance fresh because and is there a lot no of honestly space? there is i think there's a healthy enough competition now in the last 6 <laughs> to 8 months we've seen a number of people coming up with different scale of farms and then trying to put their produce in the in the supermarket shelves but we honestly have not really faced that sort of a problem yet if a, if a chain or if a store wants to get something of this if we go and i think right now the market is so new that we yeah. can have like 10 15 more players coming into the market and then over a couple of pe- a couple of years people will start settling in and then they'll know what who can deliver what and how yeah. Yeah. so we are more than happy that there is enough competition but there is competition right now so that's eventually good because 3 4 years back when we would go to these stores they would not know what hydroponics is the customer wouldn't know what hydroponics is but now there are a couple of big businesses that have gotten into it as so like yeah. nature's miracle is ds group dabar has gotten into it hero motocop has gotten into it these guys have gotten into it so what they've done is for us at least they've they've spent the money on spreading awareness about this so once you know that this is something that is good for you and then we come up we come in and we give you a free sample and then you so it it's a win win situation for all of us right now yeah yeah so competition basically is just helping you expand the market for yourself as well like. right now yes because it is so new the market the competition is eventually everyone is trying to figure out a way to get into customers homes so someone will try something which eventually might work out and does good for the whole industry itself so we are more, we are very happy that now finally there is some competition yeah also uh, last so i understand like the genesis of this was essentially was diagnosed with this uh, disease and then you sort of felt that we need to eat clean but uh, apart from that what like what did your research look like before you got like was it a lot of intensive research were you consulting like some experts and or was it more of a uh, like a very impulsive decision how did the research look like then no the research was like 10 days of research based on this basic impulse that So Dhruv and Deepak, my two co-founders. Uh, mm-hmm. Dhruv was in Singapore at that point in time when I came up with this sort of idea that we wanted to do this, and we had a call with Dhruv. Had told him that this is something that is out there. Hydroponics as a technology exists. Let's see if we can do something about it. And uh, so both of our idea was that we wanted to do something that can have a real-world impact. this was very personal to me because my mom was going through this thing and dhruv yeah. was yeah. had raised some funds for a, a smart television startup that he had started in uh, singapore but then google came out with chromecast so that got shut so he was like yeah now i want to do something that can actually have a real world impact and should it and it should honestly doesn't matter that whether google comes up with something or or 
Apple comes up with something, we need to offer something that can survive, irrespective of whoever is in the industry, right? So, the, so and that is where the genesis of the idea came from. Then uh, five, seven days of research, we figured out that no one else in India is doing it at that point of time. There is only this one guy called Deepak Kukreja, who can probably help us set up something. So we called up Deepak, we set up a meeting. And like within 15 days, we were ready to go and Deepak said, I can do it, but uh, let's first try and see at a smaller scale. So the research basically was to say, okay, let's set up a small farm and try and do it. If it works, it works. If it doesn't work, there is no amount of research that can prove that this should have worked or whatever. And that's kind of the style that we've always followed from there on. Because this is so new, there is absolutely, there was, yeah. when we started doing it in 2014, there were literally, there were four or five countries across, uh, companies across the world, which were doing it at any substantial scale or any scale worth researching about. So we thought it doesn't really make sense to research it right now and then spend six months after this. And in that duration, if someone else comes up with something, so it's a first mover's advantage that we need to yeah. tap into. So then we went and, into it. So. Yeah, and just to add to that, I think that is something that I actually find really inspiring because like right now I understand there's still like a lot of talk about hydroponic farming and people are talking and I constantly keep getting these uh, you know, invitations on my Instagram on like a course on hydroponic. But when right. you started it back in 2014, it was like, even now it's like still very innovative, but it was mo even more innovative and disruptive back then. And to have that courage to get into something really new. So I think that's like really inspiring. Thanks, and, but I think it was more, more stupid than courage. Because really? we, were, we were naive. Yeah, we were naive enough to not like really care about the research and things like that. But I think that was also very important for us. If we would have stuck in the research part of it, if we would have stuck in the part that said, does it make sense on paper? Can we do it? It doesn't really, there is no market to do it or things like that. We would not have been able to start yeah. it. Yeah. So jumping into it without thinking whether this will work or not. So that, that worked. Yeah. 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 Okay. And uh, also considering this is like a very, uh, like from what I've read about it, I understand it's very technical and you know, all those things you're adding to the water, nutrients and this and that has to be like in the like, exact proportions and ratios, etc. So at what, like, what point did you get in someone technical to help you with setting this up? And even at this point, do you have, like what, what kind of people do you hire for a job like this? So Deepak, like, uh... So we got, we started off the venture after we got Deepak on board. So Deepak at that point of time also and today also is like one of the leading experts in hydroponics in the country. And uh, he was, he was taking up freelancing projects at that point of time in 2014. So Deepak was working with Lehman Brothers in 2008 when it went under. That was his wake up call in life. He said, this is boss, this is too much. Now we need to figure out how to be self-sufficient and things like that. So he quit everything, his corporate life, took up agriculture, then finally took up hydroponics. So by the time we met him in 2014, he was the leading expert in hydroponics in the country. And then we, we got together and we started this venture after we said, we'll do a pilot. If that works out, then we'll see what to do together. So we did a small pilot. He was the brains behind it in terms of the, the technology and stuff. And since then, he's been the, he's like the technical co-founder in the team and he takes care of everything in terms of it. And now we've developed this AI engine that we feed everything into. And uh, so that, that is, we're calling it Triton OS. Hopefully we should have like the, it's in a beta stage right now. another two months it should be out for rolling. so we're doing it so uh, I forget so someone's asked if so what kind of vegetables can you grow or grow are there limitations on the kind of vegetables you can grow in hydroponic farming uh, theoretically no the only limitation is that does it make sense uh, financially or economic so why does it make sense Economic wise, whatever has a faster churning rate, like leafy greens, strawberries, tomatoes, things that can churn out faster, 
makes more sense to grow but technically there are people out there who are doing bananas who are doing pineapples who are doing avocados through hydroponics so there is no limitation to what you can grow but as a business venture there are definite limitations and then it depends so we can grow almost 350 odd varieties of leafy greens and herbs and soft fruits and vegetables that is what basic like the unofficial sort of nomenclature is like the soft fruits and vegetables would mean your cucumbers your cherry tomatoes tomatoes strawberries bell peppers different varieties all sort of leafy greens can be done strawberries can be done tomatoes can be done cherry tomatoes different varieties of cucumbers english mini cocktail whatever so all of those things are done and then the cycle has to be matched and then the cycle where your planting has to be matched with your supply and like with your demand like yes. how do you sort of manage that because it sounds very complicated so, to me oh uh, it it is complicated once you get down to like uh, once you look at it from the overall sort of picture but once you get you understand the basic working of the plant and the best approach to this is to go from go demand led rather than supply led right so you go and you create a demand for it in the market and that's what we've been that's what we've been doing for the longest time so you create a demand and then you what we do is that we've created demand for different segments so we know this is a premium a segment this is like the this is this is where maximum of my produce should go ideally if it doesn't go then there is the second segment that will take it if it doesn't go there then this is the third segment that will definitely take it at at least the cost if not profit then at least cost so you need to first work out and that's what we've done everyone else else has a very different approach so there are some people say herbivore farms in bombay i think what they've done is they've created like a subscription base so they're oversubscribed always so they don't have to worry about whether their produce is going waste or not because at the scale that they're doing and that's easily doable i think but at the scale that we do it's a little difficult to only depend on one sort of supply or demand base yeah. so we yeah. over the years we've developed three or four demand bases at different price points obviously so it depends on because if for whatever reason our restaurants probably can't take it or like right now this is during the great pandemic of 2020 we've absolutely zero sales through our restaurant partners yeah and through our wholesalers also so yeah. we decided okay we'll we'll try and build a new vertical which is directly going to the customer okay. so it's more about managing demand supply is very easy in this okay okay and uh, going to your website and I, so i saw that you basically what i understand your business model looks like is that you're doing your own hydroponic farming and then you're selling to like mm. uh, directly to consumers or to like restaurants and hotels etc and or under your brand which is vr chop chop i believe and uh, then the other mm. thing is that you can like you help people who want to set up a hydroponic farm so like a con- consultancy for that so uh, like is that um, I mean, I don't know. It sounds a little like counterintuitive because isn't it uh, like wouldn't they emerge as like competition for you if someone's like setting up a hydroponic farm and taking all your expertise and your experience? Yes. So we used to set up consultancy farms. We don't anymore. The website needs to be updated. It's it's work in progress. So what we've done now is that instead of setting up consultancy farms, we're doing partnerships now. So if okay. you want to get into it and you want us to help you out. Uh, it's going to be like a franchise sort of thing so you can we can help you set up a new farm somewhere wherever we are not available and then everything that gets gets sold is going to be sold through chop chop branding we take care of the growing and the technology part of it on the feet on the ground and everything else the compliances all of the all of the administration stuff needs to happen from our franchise partners so and the reason why we've done it is uh, is literally what you just said so we we helped set up almost what nine or 10 farms across over the years across the country 
and that was always this we always knew that this is going to be an issue that we are helping people set up farms and they might come up as a competition but uh, one but if you're boots bootstrapped and if you don't want to raise you know vc funding and at and at the same time you are spending the amount of money that we spend on r&d on a monthly basis there needs to be some sort of recurring income so so that's a call that we took and we were we are still pretty confident that whatever everyone has a different sop everyone it, the only thing is that people who we've sell, helped set up the farms have probably similar setups but then how to go about it and what are the other tweaks that we've done over the years we we helped set up a farm in bangalore in 2017 so those guys are still at that stage or operating out of that same farm we we yeah. iterated the farm i think five times after 2017 so what the output that those guys would get for example is at least 40% less than what we can get out of every square feet now so things like that happen but it's a calculated risk that we took So that was a challenge, basically. Like I just like yes, definitely, it. definitely. That that was a challenge, definitely. Yeah, and and it's come back to for... bite us also, honestly. Yeah, yeah. A couple of times it's come back to bite us also. Okay, so you're not doing that anymore, basically. You're not like consulting. No, we we we're not doing consultancy projects anymore. We're only doing partnerships now. and uh, so another thing like just since you just talked about bootstrapping and funding so how did you uh, how capital intensive is this given that like a person has a piece of land and given another person does not have a piece of land and uh, what is your personal journey with funding did you get externally funded or friends and family and how did your funding process look like like our funding process was friends and family and personal savings that is how we went about it we we are bootstrapped we've been bootstrapped and and uh, uh we consultancy and selling our produce things like that is what has helped us survive till now and uh, in terms of someone owning piece of land and some versus someone not owning a piece of land doesn't make a difference because at least in india land is abundant so you get land at dirt cheap prices and we honestly go to places where land prices are dirt cheap because we look for yeah. land which is which is not fertile anymore which doesn't make sense to you know set up uh, agriculture conventional agriculture operation there but uh, in terms of so you you'd ask how capital intensive it is right yeah yeah it is fairly capital intensive like that that's the biggest challenge there is right it is fairly capital intensive and uh, so but the break even happens in two and a half three years which is a great thing and once you increase the scale the break even point period gets significantly uh, smaller shorter actually so but it is a challenge like capital intensive operation and that's the that's the other challenge that we face when we want to say we want to scale up so probably without external funding it's going to be a challenge to scale it up at the state or at the scale that we want to take it to okay so you would look out for like external funding i'm assuming over eventually okay. eventually yes and uh, so last to come to my next question uh, i'm like this is a question i really like to like ask everyone because uh, you know so so when you're starting out eventually there's like word of mouth and like people start following your instagram or whatever social media your platform you're using but initially how did you get the first few sales going how did you tap your first few customers we literally tapped on their doors and asked them to try us out like we went from wholesale mandis we like we literally we were the delivery guys we harvested everything we packed everything and we were the ones who would wait outside wholesalers 
for seven hours, eight hours, trying to get them to test our produce. We would repeat the same thing with restaurants. We would repeat the same thing with the uh, stores. So that is how we did it. I'm not like yeah. not the most efficient way to go about it, probably, but like we really didn't have the budget also to probably take it out there and shout about it to people. But we were very confident also about the produce that we have. So we thought yeah. this is we don't really need to do anything else. We just need to get people to taste it. Once they taste it, once they see the thing with them by by themselves, it's going to sell itself. So. And did you get some help from any like marketing agencies or? No, nothing. Like, nothing. No, like so, nothing. you got your hands dirty and everything. Else. Yeah, because one, though we didn't have enough money to yeah. get yeah. get an external marketing agency to do it. Whatever we made over the years, we pumped back into the R and D part of it to make sure that we. at least in terms of the technology we remain ahead of everyone else in the industry so we have spent everything for the last whatever we made for the last 5 years back into the we have not spent anything other than that and uh, so someone's asking where how much competition do you forecast in the coming 5 years in the coming 5 years in like it's our we thought about it a lot and i think another 2 or 3 years it's going to go crazy you will see every tom dick and harry getting into this but by the time the five like by the time five years roll in from today a lot of them will shut shop and go back and then you'll see only like three or four established people who have a presence across the country here so right now we are at a stage where there are smaller farms but they are they are based out of specific locations that they cater to only those places so be it bangalore hyderabad bombay or delhi in the next 2 3 years you will see people expanding into each other's territories eating each other's territories but then after that they'll settle down so i don't see an unlimited number of people getting into this and staying but it's going to be a healthy enough competition i think four or five people are going to emerge out of this okay. and there is enough market i think for another four or five people to you know okay and uh, that's another thing i had to ask you is that uh, you know because this is a very this is very very new so normally when someone's trying to like start a business so they kind of like a lot of people would look at like data or pre existing benchmarks to map their progress to and uh, right. to just Yeah, like uh, you know, like the whole picture. So, has that been a challenge? Because there are very, there's like no or very few, I would believe, someone to like look up to or some like data or benchmark in particular that you can look at for uh, assessing your own like performance and market, etc. Has that been a challenge? That's been the biggest challenge, honestly. That there is there there's nothing. Literally, there was when we started off, there was literally nothing that we could benchmark our performance against. so we had to do a lot of guesstimation we had to extrapolate a lot of data we spent i think the first two years we just spent collecting data to validate that whatever we are doing makes sense also right what is it that the conventional farming would get from say one acre or 10 acre operation then how how would that yield change when you're doing it in a greenhouse and then now that what we are doing how does that compare to those things the costing that we are setting up these things at all of those things we spent a lot of time and research getting there and honestly it's still not 100% because there is the biggest problem with our country is that there is absolutely no data available for anything yeah like i can find granular data about consumption patterns and agriculture output crop wise for the last 50 years in in the us sitting here i don't have to even move a muscle everything is available very easily and i can do a very very easy comparison about everything else but here it is absolutely not possible and more so about the crops that we do like these these crops are absolutely not available in the system yeah like 
the closest one that we have in the system is broccoli so we have to do a lot of guesstimation and extrapolate that data to figure out acha lettuce ki ye demand hogi ya this is the this is the output that is viable or justified so that meant we had to travel a lot we had to talk to a lot of farmers who were actually doing it and then figure out how is it that we are making sense and how is it that we are doing things differently फ्रॉम sourcing the seeds to delivering it to our customers be it home deliveries or be it restaurants or be it whatever we we own the entire supply chain our guys will go and deliver it through our own uh, and we deliver within 4 hours of harvesting it so perishability and that was the basic promise that we wanted to we've always wanted to abide by is that it needs to be as fresh as possible also and it needs to be as nutritious as possible that is one thing but the other thing is also that it needs to be as fresh as possible so we harvest it and we deliver it within a maximum like the last delivery out of from our farm is going to be within 4 hours of it being harvested so the first delivery obviously happen within 30 minutes 40 minutes of it being harvested but the last delivery wherever it is in delhi ncr has to be within 4 hours of um, last could you share with us like one you know one particular hurdle or challenge that you faced in this journey and uh, how you overcame that one one particularly okay or oh, one particular or if there's not one particular challenge then just how you kind of faced challenges or you know even navigating through covid 19 which is like so um, difficult for like businesses at this point of time like how do you what's your mindset to get through a bad day or if you want to talk about one particular challenge uh i like the the other question what's our what's our mindset to get through a bad day hmm. we like we really don't differentiate between a good day and a bad day because at the scale that we are in and the industry that we are in a bad day can quickly turn into a very 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 good day or a very good day can turn into a very 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 bad day like for example yesterday we hit our 100th uh, home delivery like within 15 days of launching okay. but uh, there was a hailstorm in in manesar and 50% of a greenhouse got swept away in that like the so, produce no the the structure oh okay so the greenhouse just got swept away in that so what how we approach is that we approach it with not now that we don't even look at it one day at a time we look at it one hour at a time what what is it that we're doing right now what is it that needs to be done and we need to do it the best in the best way possible and then you do it 24 times a day you get through that day you do that 30 times a month you get through that month you do that 12 times a year you get through the year so and that is how we do it and that's how we've been always doing it because if we start thinking about the challenges that we have in front of us if we start thinking about uh, the the issues that keep coming up especially in the industry that we are in it is going to be very difficult for us to even move a muscle like we've had experiences in the past where we have run in with the municipal department they've just come in asking for bribe we said we didn't even say no we said give me give us like a couple of days to figure it out and they came in and they bulldozed the entire farm we've had experiences like that we've had experiences where we've gone to the the government asking them for some sort of help in terms of setting up give us some land or something and we've been called food terrorist you want to own the supply chain and you want to throw the farmer out of the equation so you guys are food terrorists we've had experiences where we've gone to restaurants and we've shown our produce and they have just not believed that this is natural or this is non gmo or this is this has zero pesticides 
so there is but there is no other way to you know look at these problems and then find a solution to them if you take them so personally or if you don't if you don't look at the bigger picture at the end of the day we are only looking at the bigger picture which is to grow the best possible food that is and then take it to as many people as possible there are going to be good days and there are going to be bad days there are going and more often than not there are going to be days which are a, which are a mix of both so we don't like it sounds like a very stoic sort of no philosophy but but that yeah. is what we do we know for a fact that a good day will definitely turn into a bad day or a bad day will definitely turn into a good day so it doesn't really matter and we just keep yeah. going so yeah just keep going and like yeah just keep going get your keep your head down get to the task and just focus on that task and that's basically that's the best way to go about any problem right yeah yeah so, yeah that's it Okay, and uh, is there like any one particular thing that you feel or you wish you had done differently in your uh, entrepreneurial journey so far? Mm. No, honestly. No, maybe consulting the people who kind of like. No, that back. I I was thinking about that right now. Should we have done it or not? But then no, we should. I don't yeah. think we should have changed that approach also. doesn't but it sounds counter productive for us as a company but given the stage that we were at and given the fact that we needed the amount of capital that we needed it was something that was very very important for us to do and that was a calculated risk we took and we were confident we still are confident that whatever it is even if i give you something today to set up say let's say we we partner and we do something today the amount of research that we put in and uh, and the results that we get out of those result of the of that research within 6 months i know for a fact that we are going to be 2 years ahead of you so it yeah. doesn't really matter the probably the only thing that i think we could have done a little different was probably played the media card a little better than we have or hmm. focused a little more on the you know talking about it and taking it out there probably that but other than that i don't think like i'm i'm very happy and content with the way that we've done it right now till now that's amazing okay and uh, if there's like this one piece of advice that you would like to like give out to people who are starting out or who are trying to make a shift from a 95 to starting their own thing like that one piece of golden advice to me on journey and the one very important thing is that you need to figure out everyone needs to figure out what is the value that you are going to add to anyone else's life yeah. just don't like don't get into it just for the heck of it or don't do something just because you want to sound cool yeah it is the cool thing to do if you think whatever it is that whatever your idea is or whatever it is that you want to do or you're doing doesn't add value just figure out first what is the value that you want to create in anyone else's life and once you have that once you have that figured out once you know this is the this is the value proposition that i have then just go for it and then just get your head down go for it it's going to be hard it's going to suck for the first 10 years and then and be prepared honestly that it's going to be an overnight success after 10 years of hard work after 10 years yeah definitely you have to be prepared for that it has to be it will take that much amount of time no yeah matlab yeah yeah we can yeah. talk about anyone anyone big and we can see yaar ye to ekdam se ho gaya but then we don't know the amount of hard work that they put in for the last 5 7 10 whatever years yeah and people just look at like the tip of the iceberg and they don't enjoy like exactly. so much much that's gone into it yeah exactly um, i'm just going to take up these two three last questions that someone sent in if you are unable to send your produce to customer how do you combat it uh, we never let that happen if we are unable to send our produce to someone say today if they have ordered something and if we promise that we are going to deliver it today if we haven't we will make sure that it happens say tomorrow so we okay so like for like instance right now when that uh, your uh, greenhouse structure has been affected hmm. so it's been affect your uh, supply 
No, we're working very hard. We're working like since the time it has happened, we've been working around the clock to make sure that it doesn't have an impact on our on our supply because like our operation is divided into four different greenhouses and an indoor setup. So the max that can happen is that our deliveries for the stores might get affected a little, but we're not going to. Eventually, that doesn't have that much of an impact on our deliveries. Okay. And there's this other question: Who is your co-founder? I believe Shantru. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, what does Shantru look like in ten years? Triton Foodworks looks like. Uh, looks like a global company which has a presence in every continent and is supplying fresh premium pesticide free produce to people within 2 hours of harvesting and is actively contributing to a better planet and better health of the people around us and if by that point of time space travel is a reality then we are a strong contender from india to you know say yeah. we can be the ones who can grow food on mars amazing <laughs> okay thank you so much oh okay wait there's this one last question is there political or local goon trouble in expanding your franchise uh not more than what you would get in any other situation Like there isn't any particular issue with this, you know, or with Python, but like the similar sort of issues that you would face with any other, which is sadly the part, like the truth about setting up a business in India. That's that's about nothing else. Okay, and uh, this is for my personal like information. So if I want to pick up a top top product. Where mm-hmm. where did one go to like pick it up at this point? Like Bombay or Delhi? In Delhi, we right now we're only available in Delhi and Chennai. We were supposed to okay. be available in Bombay, but again the great coronavirus yeah. of 2020 has spoiled that plan. But in Delhi, we're available in 18 stores. So all food hall stores, the mart stores, we are available in. And uh, okay. there is we our website is again going to be revamped, so you will be able to do that. through our website or you can go on to our instagram page there is a link in the bio that allows you to register for your uh, interest and we will deliver it directly to your homes within 3 hours of harvesting amazing okay yeah. thank you so much alas for your thank time you so and this is this is wonderful yeah. thank and you and so you're so insightful and specifically so inspiring because i love how you're so passionate about like your work having value because a lot of people just want to make quick money these days and you know like success doesn't come overnight and i love that you're so passionate about the planet about adding value to your work and it was really insightful and uh, yeah thank you for going to do this thank you so much this is really wonderful thank you yeah, thank you yeah. bye bye